it was i remember specifically one time um i had just gotten a cortisone shot and um three days later we're up in western carolina up in the up in the mountains just nasty weather like 40s 50s we lose the friday night game i don't catch next game coach is like all right we're gonna try you out catching i'm like you know i'm like we actually had a catch in the parking lot the day before me and my coach to see how my arm felt <laughs> and of the hotel we were staying at and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's a little better. No, it, no, it wasn't better at all. And so game one happens. By the last inning of the first game, I wasn't even throwing the ball down to second base anymore in between innings. I I had, think I lit up like six bags in the first game, and we won, though. Um, so I'm like, there's no way. Like, I'm not going to get it. We're playing two nines. And I, he comes up to me after, uh, after the game. He's like, can you catch game two? I'm like, you know I can't throw the ball down to second base, right? He goes, "Yeah, I don't. I just, I just want you to get back there and catch it and then hit." And I was like, uh, "Yeah, I could do that. I mean, but I mean, if someone gets on first, there's nothing keeping them from going to second. And he, he was just okay with it. So that's what we did. This is Robert Crow, retired professional baseball player, and you're listening to the Heads and Tails podcast. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Salm, and each week I bring you an inspiring athlete story of perseverance or expert knowledge in the field of sports health and safety. Just like flipping a coin, you can't control what happens to you in sports or in life. You can always control how you respond. This is my response after suffering a traumatic brain injury in a high school football game, and I hope it leaves you feeling both inspired and informed. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails podcast. This week I'm excited to bring you uh, Rob Crow, uh, who is a former catcher for the San Diego Padres organization, uh, reaching as far as AAA ball, which is no easy feat, as, as we know. Uh, and he retired from baseball after the 2016 season playing for the Somerset Patriots. And Rob played against, uh, well, I should also say that Josh Boyd, our uh, co-host for the I'm JK, back. but seriously, yeah, Real Football Injury Talk uh, podcast episodes is also joining us because we played Rob in high school. He went to Randolph High School. We were both Westmore Central guys. Um, but Rob obviously had a very – successful baseball career compared to most people who play the game uh, and he played for a really long time and he's now transitioning to uh, a life after baseball and you know when your whole life is baseball and trying to translate those skills into something new and now he's you know currently working for his family's company uh, Allen Paper Supply right yes so we're going to kind of talk about some of the struggles of that transition, along with some of the injuries that you suffered, like a, a typical Heads and Tails uh, podcast that we do and what you overcame. And I think we're going to finish up with a, a discussion about concussions and catchers, which sure. has been like a recent topic in the news of people are starting to talk about a little bit more because that's the position that Rob played. Um, so, Rob, let's start off by just talking about like what has your transition been like since the last time you, you swung a bat? A little bit of a roller coaster, I'd say. Um, so I always would help out my family every off season. So season ended last year. Everything's normal, status quo. Start helping out the family. But then all of a sudden, I realized about five, six months in, when I would normally go to spring training, it wasn't there. And then I started, you know, seeing all like the Twitter stuff or ESPN covering, you know, spring training teams, and I wasn't there. And then you know, you see the game starting, and it's like, wait something feels a little bit off and that's when I kind of it was it stunk I mean that's when I it really all hit me like this is it this is life now you're not doing that anymore and I would say I went through like a solid little two to three month adjustment of just having to mentally get back on track like no this is it you got to do this um 
Monday's always coming around. Uh, whereas before with the season, you, you, it was never every day kind of felt the same, you know. But uh, it, that was a huge transition. But now I think I have a better grasp on what's going on now that I'm almost a year in. Okay. So what I would say, did you know after the season, your last season, that you were done? I guess they, the, the saying always, play until someone tells you you can't play anymore. Yeah. So how did it kind of end for you? I, um, I had told Somerset that I would be interested in playing for them again. But I didn't see myself wanting to go travel across the country to another independent ball team. Yeah. I played nowhere well enough to get picked back up by an affiliated team. That was a huge thing. And then going into your 28-year-old year, it kind of just seemed like, uh, you know, I could go out there, maybe grind another four or five years in independent ball. Maybe something clicks. Maybe it doesn't. But worst case scenario, then what I, I'm going to wake up when I'm 32 or 33 one day and now have to start as opposed to now, when, you know, back when I was 27. So I just tried to make a smart decision on, you know, hey, this might stink. It could be a huge adjustment, but um, I think it's time now. And bringing up your point again, I knew the Patriots were not interested in bringing me back for another year. So that made me – that made the decision real clear because it, it was just so much easier playing yeah. in a league like that close to home. I had – some people called me from, you know, the American Association and stuff like that, but that's, you know – out yeah. in the Midwest, and I just did not have interest in doing that. Yeah, I guess just being in the baseball world, because you you see and you hear stories of guys all the time who just kick around, especially in independent ball, and mm -hmm. just keep going and going and going. Yeah, I mean, when when I was at Fordham, we had a alumni alumnus who pitched. Uh, he think he was like 36 when he came to our last scout day this past fall. It's incredible. And he was like the same same type of thing. He was he was picked up, he had arm surgery, he was picked back up, he went to indie ball, he played indie ball for four or five years, got picked back up, got hurt again, and he just it's one of those guys who, he, he I don't think to me he seemed like he didn't know anything else but baseball. Absolutely. And a lot of those guys are afraid to really jump in. They don't like kind of like we said, there is to them there's nothing else but playing baseball. Right. I mean, for sure. It's a, it's a scary thing to stop. A little, a little I dropped the ball a little bit on uh giving some background information. So Josh played baseball at Monmouth University, another Division One college baseball program. Rob, you played at College oh. of Charleston. Yes. Uh, so just to give us a background, then also Josh went on to coach baseball at Fordham University. So this is – and Josh recently is, has stepped away from coaching and baseball and is in this transition that um, Rob is also in. So that's kind of why we're collaborating on this episode. Uh, so how many years was it that you played baseball for that like you were a baseball player professionally it would have been six years I believe I yeah. mean like in general in like general shoot um <laughs> you got to start what t-ball is what you're six years old maybe I, six, I gotta yeah. I gotta think 20 years 21 years it was so, a while <laughs> yeah so that's a, a long time and yeah like we did like Josh was saying explaining about that guy who was 36 and was still trying to to, to, to live yeah. the dream yeah well in his defense he was throwing 96 so I mean, it, He's uh, hit didn't, hit it didn't, didn't hurt, but okay. still, you get like, the picture. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At some point. Um, so how much of your identity is like still in baseball? Like, do you still view yourself as a baseball player or like, what have you done to kind of like, um, re-identify as, as someone other than Rob, the baseball player? I, um, I had, I was reading a couple articles one time and someone made a really good point. They said that, um, Baseball doesn't define them as a person, and I thought that really was an incredible thing to say. During your career? 
Yeah, I don't know where I read it. I could have just been reading some random article about some player, but he says, baseball doesn't define me as a person. And I was like, wow, that's that's amazing. It's so true because, you know, my whole life, that's kind of what it was. You know, and, uh, you go to college, I went there to play baseball. Whole point was to get good enough to then hopefully go past that. But it was like, you know, you're right. Baseball doesn't define me. I'm still who I am outside of that, just picking another day-to-day thing to do, you know? Um, I thought that was really cool. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that was a pretty interesting quote that I had read that really helped me kind of get over the hump on the whole thing. Okay. What about you, Josh? What, do you, what, what was your question? Like your, your, your baseball identity, like, do you, do you, do you struggle with that still? Uh, I would say yes and no. It's, I mean, my transition out of being a player was a little bit different. Um, just cause it got to the point where I finished my college career and, I wasn't really wanted very heavily to play um, past that. Um, I had a couple offers to play independent ball. Um, I had a torn labrum. I would have had to get that fixed to get to, to keep playing. It's a great time. Cause, uh, yeah, because I, I I played my senior year with that, and I was I was playable, but it wasn't uh, obviously if I wanted to try to do anything at the next level, I thought it wasn't wouldn't even be worth it. Um, so from a playing standpoint, I was satisfied. Um, with how everything went and I was okay with being done playing. Um, I guess that's the summer after, um, I stayed in the game. I coached, uh, at the high school level and I continued to coach, um, three years after that at high school level and then two years at at the college level. So, I mean, I've never, um, until this past month, I've never really been away from the game. Um, so I, yeah, I transitioned out from playing standpoint, but I never transitioned out until, this past month from really being separated from being on a baseball field. How, how common is that? Like with the guys that you guys both played with, like from going from player to coach, because maybe you don't know anything else. You know, I think you don't know anything else. I see it a good bit. Honestly, I don't think I'm one of those people. I actually have enjoyed getting away from it, you know, starting new things, doing things that you've never been able to do before because baseball took up so much time. Um, I, the, you know, you come home and you know, be like, hey, can you give lessons or do you want to coach? But um, to, to be honest with you, I have really no desire. Like baseball was a 24-7 thing for so long. And now that it's, I have the option to not have to do it all the time, it's actually kind of nice. That's my own opinion. But you do see a lot of guys, like you said, that just that's all they know. So they go right into coaching, right into something like that. But um, I can pretty much confidently say I don't think that's for me. All right. And you guys also talked about like this 24 seven baseball for so long. And I'm sure you guys had like itineraries you needed to follow. Like your whole day is consumed by this sport. So with the lack of the sport and not coaching, not playing anymore, what have you found to fill that time and to kind of, do you miss the structure? Like what's kind of filled that void? That was a huge, huge thing to get over for sure. Uh, There was a point I remember in the late spring um, that I was just kind of like, you wake up, you work out, you go to work, and then I'm sitting at home and I'm like, man, I am bored. There's nothing going on. You know, there's no reason to go hit in the cage or anything like that. Um, so yeah, uh, I started, uh, in the summer I joined actually a Morris majors team to play some more ball. Just, you know, it was good. Just be back on the field, do something like that. And I know it kind of contradicts what we just said before, but I think, if, I don't know, it, it was still good to get out there and be competitive physically as opposed to just sitting on the sidelines, you know, 
coaching a team or something like that. You know, I, I like to be one of those people who want to do something. So if that was a springtime to do it or a summertime to go play, that's what I did. I think I'd like to, you know, play a little hockey, a little men's league hockey, something like that. Um, You're a hockey guy too? I'm a hockey guy. I absolutely played my whole life till college. Cool. Um, so I did that. But, and then, you know, just I think things like that will be fun joining any other type of leagues or something, but I think it's still a work in progress. But I, I knew that just sitting on the side watching like, coaching or something like that wasn't going to be for me at the end of this. All right. Um, have you noticed any, like, translatable skills, you know, from your baseball career to your now professional career? Hmm, that's tough. I would only say, like, I mean, being in sales, having to work with different people all the time, um, kind of like working with pitchers, I would say. Um, from a catcher perspective, everybody has a different mindset when they're on the mound. They all have different things that work for them. And uh, there's definitely a bunch of different egos and, you know, personalities that go on. So you kind of have to give and take, uh, know when to press, know when to step back, see what works for them. And I think that that whole process of working with pitchers day in and day out might help me with a potential customer or a customer and keep a relationship there as opposed to breaking it down because, you know, I can't adjust with them I it's small but I think that's the best I got on that whole thing baseball is all about adjustments <laughs> of course make yeah. an adjustment I mean, catching and the catcher position is it's the closest spot to being a coach without being a coach being For on sure. the field um and like be, being in coaching that's it's all relationships and dealing with people and when you get to college level I mean recruiting is the same thing as sales I mean, yeah you're just pitching your program your coaching staff and you're competing against other people for basically the kids which is you're related it's a business so and then once you get that kid to commit you got to follow up and keep him happy of course so. that must have been cool though coaching at a college level you know you have you had the knowledge that could translate right into them and they could take and adapt at that point you know as opposed to a 12 year old kid who your knowledge is going to be at a level that they're not quite ready for yet so the it, it, it it's much more translatable if that's yeah. even a word but that was that was the biggest i mean when I got into college, I would come back and people would ask, what's the biggest difference between coaching high school and coaching college? When I was in high school, uh, when I was coaching high school, there was probably – you have 15 kids on your team, right? There's probably one or two kids on every high school team, on an average high school team, that could do anything that I would tell them to do. Athletically, baseball-wise, they'd be able to soak it in and adjust and do it. Yeah. And you have one or two kids on every team who were athletically good enough but just didn't want to listen. It's just the age they are, and their maturity level. But the other twelve kids on the team, the majority of your high school kids, like they'd look at you and they'd shake their head and they say yes, 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 and they would just do exactly the same thing oh, as they were doing. And it was at first I was getting really frustrated because I'm like, like these kids did just you say yes, 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 and then nothing changed. And after a while, I'm like, just they don't have the baseball mentality and athletic mentality, and they're not good enough baseball players to be able to do the things I was trying to tell them to do. Yeah. And then when I got to college, it was really, really obvious that if, if those kids at, at the level I was at, at division one, if the kids on my team weren't doing what I was telling them to do, it was a conscious decision that they didn't either believe that it was the right thing to do, or they didn't want to do it. They were yeah. all good enough to make any adjustment that was necessary. Yeah. So it was very cut and dry in that sense, which was made it a little bit easier to coach, but, um, so. All right. So, Rob, what do you miss from playing baseball? Definitely just the competition day in and day out. Now, you have the other side of that, which is the monotony of it, which can just grind you down like crazy. As you know, Josh, it's just that part's a killer. But when the lights come on, 
you're out there competing. There's no difference of, you know, there's nothing that can compare to being up in the bottom of the ninth, you know, with the winning run on third, you know, two outs, it's do or die right there. Or, you know, you know, catching in the same exact position opposite where, you know, it's you and your pitcher, you're trying to get this last out. I think that is just the best. Uh, you can't get butterflies or your adrenaline going like those type of situations. And that's what I think the beauty of sports is. And not having that, like now just playing in a men's league game, yeah, it's fun, you compete, but it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. This is, it, it just, um, that level of intensity was so much fun. And I think I took it for granted a little bit when it was going on. I think we all do, just being human. But, um, and now there's definitely missing it, especially with the playoffs going on. At least like every day. You yeah. Know, like I'm sure, has there been anything that's given you that feeling that was like a one-time thing? You know, it wasn't like, I don't know, like in like in high school football, like you get a, a, that feeling like once every Friday night. And like when you play baseball, you, you get it every day in the summer. Yeah. But like you still get it when you're older. It just is like once every you know, <laughs> like i don't know I, I i don't know i i honestly like getting that game winning hit or something like that it really doesn't even compare to get a new customer you're like oh, okay great cool yeah that's awesome um but i don't know i i do hear what you're saying though but yeah every i but i think what you made a good point on was with football happened every friday night and it was like this just big cold like you're leading up to it it's uh, you're you're. It's like a all week is just a preparation for the whole thing. Baseball, it's every single day. So it kind of just you know um, dummies down the feeling a little bit. You know, it numbs you a little bit to that because the lights come on and you're like, okay, it's another game. But then things can happen throughout the game to then intensify the situation, which makes it great. But um, I think those two are you know, which was cool about football is like you guys would get you know so jacked up. You know, because it's that once a week type thing. Um, but still, I don't, I don't think that either one, they're just so much better than the day-to-day, -day, you know, non-sports right. non life thing, thing. I mean, for me, I, I'm sure probably pretty similar, but there's there's been nothing that I've found that that's similar to just winning at that, sure. at, at that level. Yeah. A at any game, it's just – it was just the accomplishment and the the satisfying feeling of winning a game at that level, and, I'm, and it's very relatable to the highest level you've played it at. Anybody's played at any sport. I mean, if you, the highest level you got was was high school, I mean, it's a very similar feeling. It yeah. just it kind of gets a little bit more and more the higher you go. Um, I think I was lucky to lucky enough to be on a pretty good team in college, and we won a lot. But since then, there's no even even in college when you're coaching, it's not the same feeling when you win a game as it is when you're physically playing in it. But sure. since since playing, there's nothing. Like you said, you can be competitive. I play in a volleyball league, and that's awesome when, when we win a game, but it's not, it's, not, it's not the same. No way. Yeah, I think I know what you guys are, are saying. Like, I didn't obviously reach the athletic status that you guys did. Um, but I will say, like, and I've been further removed from playing sports. Like, for me, I'm going on 10 years where I've, like – since I played a competitive sport and probably for eight years, I was searching for that one thing that was like going to make me feel that way again. And I think until I like switched up my mindset of like, that's my bar, like Friday night touchdowns are like my bar of like excitement. Nothing will, you, you can't be grateful for anything. 
you know, so like you need to kind of switch up your expectations. And, you know, since starting the podcast, for me, that's been like my new outlet where I like put all my energy into it. I've gotten close to that feeling again of like there's been instances where, you know, I got an award for from the National Football Foundation for some of the stuff I'm trying to do with this. So like there's little instances here and there, not every Friday night, not every day, like in the baseball season, but there are things out there to that do give you that, that feeling every once in a while. And I think you guys are, are fresh at, out of it, but it'll it's, it'll it, come. It's yeah. good to know. That, yeah. that is good to know. That's there, good, though. Setting your expectations to a certain spot, kind of readjusting how you look at things, I'm, smart move, absolutely. Yeah. So you might have mentioned this before. What do you not miss? The monotony of it, but anything, like, specifically? Uh, bullpens, for sure. <laughs> that the mon- <laughs> That's the worst thing in the world. <laughs> 105 degrees out middle of the day in you know san antonio texas and hey rob you know you're not catching i need you to catch like four bullpens and then you'll get done you think it's over and then a couple pitchers are like hey man you know you think you could catch a couple flat grounds for me sure dude yeah why not absolutely let's go (laughs) i got nothing better i got nothing better i'm just drenched looks like i just jumped into a pool but let's go man um yeah but the monotony 100 percent um it's the same thing every day you know bullpens bp stretch get ready, you know, you're just rinsing and repeating every single day. Yeah. Especially especially with baseball. Like, I, this is the thing I, I noticed. Baseball, um, I don't know if it's more than any other sport, but it's just it's just so similar every single day. And, like, as a coach, like, I would try my hardest to do different things just so it's not – because I remember as a player, it's you go out and practice the same way every day, pre-games the same way every day. Um, obviously, the games can be different, but your day-to-day is just so similar. Like You have to have to change it up. Yeah. You have to find a way to change it up. But unfortunately, the game is based off of making everything similar to be successful. Yeah. That's essentially what you preach in baseball. If you're a pitcher, you want your – your windup to be the same and your delivery to be the same thing every single time as a hitter you want to attack the baseball the same way every single time anything you're trying to do it, it is literally monotony just anywhere you look and repetition so unfortunately that's just what the game is based off of to get success out of it and uh i think just uh, you just have to deal with it <laughs> this might be a bit of a brainstorming question but you guys talk about the monotony that can happen in, in baseball, but a lot of times in the working force, like people think that a nine to five job is pretty monotonous too. So how do you guys think that you're like, what did you guys do in baseball to kind of like change up the monotony and like spice things up a little bit that could be translated into uh, kind of spicing it up a little bit in your like nine to five? I mean, for me, I guess it was just like a personality thing. Like I was always, I was always the one on the team who tried to keep things loose. Who just was an asshole. Um, it's just, it was, it was easy for me. Like I, we'd go out to practice and I'd have candy in my back pocket always, and I'd throw it at people, eat it myself. I was just always trying to do little things just to, because um, I wasn't the malicious person that anyone like no one took me seriously but I tried to keep things loose for everybody um in game when you talk about like being a catcher you're involved on every play so you don't really have time to wander anywhere yeah um being an outfielder I mean I could be out there every inning I could get one ball so um 
you really that's more of a focus thing than a, than, than a monotonous thing like you have to know where they are in the batting order who's coming up what they've done in the past in, in, in their bats um you just kind of really have to stay to not let yourself kind of um wander wander around but i guess if you want to relate it it's just to me the biggest thing is a personality thing like if you're going to be bland and be you, you can really let the monotonous get into your mind whereas if you're constantly looking for ways to keep things loose and keep things fun yeah i don't know how throwing candy at your your co-workers would would really go but i mean i know what you mean that's specific but. <laughs> yeah you just got to keep it loose honestly like i don't I, I mean my job's kind of i have to make everything of it i have to go out and try and find new customers or take care of who's all who I already have so i'm out and about kind of by myself all day working with these other people but the you know in definitely in uh you know in baseball i was just trying to keep it loose in the locker room, make jokes. Hey, something stupid happened during the game the other day. Bring it up, you know, mess around with a guy like that, you know, just kind of, uh, yeah, keep it loose. And honestly, um, depending on your personality, I'd like if we were in a sweet town, try and get out of there and go let off some steam, you know. Right. You, got, you know, that you was – travel a lot. Yep, yeah, definitely. Job, yep. I mean, whatever you – Whatever you got to do, um, not currently in my job, but I'm talking about with baseball, like the break up the monotony. Hey, you get the game finishes early on a Friday night. Let's go. Let's go mix it up a little bit. Yeah. You know, I think what I got out of that little brainstorming session is to just basically don't take yourself too seriously. Right. Sure. Like you're making fun of the thing that you messed up on the night before you're throwing candy at your friends. And I think in the workforce, like sometimes people make it life and death when in reality, no one gives a crap, like yeah. at all. Yeah. So if you're if you're like loose about it and you're like, eh, yeah, I messed up on that, but like you own it and then move on and yeah, make make fun of yourself or something, like that that's a, that's a good point. Also, I think from a time management standpoint, like with baseball, you're so used to having, and not just in baseball, but if you play a sport in, uh, in college or like you're so used to having to be here at this time, here at this time, here at this time. Whereas like if you have a sales job, right, and uh, you're not focused or if you're not mentally good enough like no one's watching you right yeah. i mean if you can you really do whatever you want for sure but if you're um disciplined enough i guess is where i'm looking for disciplined enough to you're used to that schedule you're used to being on time you're used to be going from one thing to the next it's a lot easier to just kind of stray and take a two-hour lunch and I guess when, when you get to the, the working world and kind of good lunch, n- not do what you're <laughs> yeah. supposed to be doing. Yeah. But uh, I mean, when being an athlete, you're so used to being on that schedule and being, and I think it's a, like being so goal oriented too. I mean, you're always being an athlete. You're always striving to get some goal. Um, in baseball, it's a lot of them are statistical driven. So it's, yeah. it's very, very number specific, which I think helps um, when you move on to the next phase too. All yeah. right. If you guys could take a two hour lunch anywhere, where would it be? Get where around here? Anywhere. Anywhere? Anywhere in the world. Wow. That that you've been. Oh, I was going to say, take me to the best buffet. <laughs> <laughs> World's best buffet. I want to be there for two hours. Oh, wow. I know mine. You got here already? Yeah. You, you, you can start. guess, dude. Oh, Hansel, Hansel and Griddle. Yeah, Hansel Hans and, down. Hansel and really? Griddle. Really? Yeah. I've never yeah. been. It's never eaten It's freaking amazing. It was a Rutgers. Banana That's flip. incredible. Banana flip. The banana flip. Barbecue bacon chicken crisps. That's all you need. <laughs> really? Give me four of them if I have to spread are they, out for Are they hours, paying but... you for that plug? No. <laughs> they should be. I mean, that's pretty good right there. Sponsor. Some, something yeah. to think about. <laughs> Just going to say that. Um, wow. Oh, gosh. I probably would just, I don't know. That On the spot right now? Sorry. I, I, that, that's tough. 
I'm a buffet guy. Honestly, I'd probably go to a buffet. I'd want to get a little bit. If I have two hours to kill, I need a little bit of everything, to be some honest variety. with you. Okay. I've had some good buffets in my time. Um, if I was in college, I'd probably just go to Cluck U because that's where I, where I went all the time. Yeah. But um, Classy. Maybe just if I can get out to Pittsburgh, I can get some Pomonte Brothers and there you go. hang out in the water. It's a better answer. Yeah. That looks sweet. I've, saw, I've seen that on the Travel Channel. Yeah. Man, that sandwiches look <laughs> yeah. good. I've always it wanted is. to do that. It is. It's great. It's a good time. Yeah, I'm, that's good stuff. I like it. All right, we'll link those up in the show notes. <laughs> uh, okay, so every kid's dream who plays baseball is to make it to the major leagues. You were about as close as you could freaking get without actually getting there. So how did you kind of deal with the disappointment of not getting there, or were you disappointed or or not? It became much more realistic to me that I wasn't going to make it because I – I, I have to try and keep it pretty realistic with myself of just the fact that, hey, you're not playing very good right now. Like, it's obvious. The numbers say it. I know it in the back of my mind, even though I don't want to act it or show it. And then you also kind of get this feeling of where the organization is taking you based off your playing time or time that they might, you know, just give you uh, in day-to-day things. Um, so it, it was disappointing overall, I would say. Uh, I'm still disappointed to this day. Um I'm a little bit more disappointed, not even for myself. I'm kind of disappointed because there were so many great people, family, friends-wise, um, that helped me out throughout the way to get me to where I got to go. I always had this, like, vision of, you know, like, making it to the to the majors. And then I, you know, like, I could say, like, you know, everything that they did for me was worth it, you know? Like, this dream came true. And it kind of stunk that, you know, I never got to do that. Because you would say, hey, thank you for everything you did. And, you know, but, like, you obviously said the goal was to make it there. And, you know, I think that like that culmination of, you know, being there, it would have been like, Hey, you know, like everyone that could have helped along the way, I'm like, Hey, we helped the guy make to the big leagues or something like that. And I was disappointed a lot for my family and friends, to be honest with you. And I was disappointed in myself because I just flat out stopped playing good baseball. And if that's the case, I mean, as you know, it's a, uh, it's all production sport. If you're not producing, you got to get out of there. And I just flat out stopped producing. Well, first of all, I don't think you were, disappointment i don't think anyone that you <laughs> think are disappoint or well my personal viewpoint was it was disappointing for that reason they are nice people wouldn't say that but you know. right but how much of like the mental i mean josh knows i was the biggest freaking head case on the baseball field when i was there hence why my career did not <laughs> extend into college um but when you said like you know, based depending on how the organization is kind of like the playing time you're getting, your numbers like aren't lying kind of thing. Like how much of that like just feeds into your performance? Huge. Like, you know, your your batting average is this, even though you know you're probably capable of doing more. But because like you're like, no, I'm like a 200, you know, batting average guy, not the 300 batting average guy. Like how much is that? Is that like mental? I think it's it's big. I mean, for my personal career, I would say so I had a really good season back in 2013. Um, I made the all-star team in the league I was in, got promoted to double uh, A that year. Things were going, and we ended up winning the uh, Texas League Championship. It was really good. I was like, man, I should be on a really good path right now, you know? And then um, they sw- might have switched over GMs again the next year. No, it was a year after that. But anyways, I realized things were not good, and the San Diego Padres did not see me as a big leaguer when I did not get invited to big league camp the next year. And that became very obvious. It's like every single year you'll have your three big league catchers or that one extra guy who's vying to be in the big leagues, two AAA, two AA. And I knew I was going to go play AA. I mean, they weren't going to cut me. I just had a great year. But 
I'm the last guy out of that, you know, cut of who's going to go into big league camp. And I was like, well, if you're not getting invited to big league camp, they're just not taking you seriously based off what you did the year before. So that really stunk. And then from there, I think I was just trying to do different things to try and make myself more marketable to them or anybody else and took myself out of who I actually was as a baseball player and pretty much took a great nosedive from that that point on. Um, yeah, uh, it you, you get a feeling when you're around the organization a few years and see how different things go with guys who get playing time, guys who get cut. Um, you know, I, 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 I played with the same team in 2013 as I did in 2014, and I led pretty much every statistical category. This, I'm not trying to make this like a bragging sesh or anything, what, but, like, but then in, 20, in 2014 then the season starts and I don't play to like game number eight. And I was like, why? Like I went into the coach's office one day and I was like, I played with all these same guys last year. We were all in the same roster. I, I hit third for them. And, but I'm not playing till game number eight now. Like I played once in the first like 20 games. Like, Oh, it's just, you know, just the way the organization wants to do things right now. I was like, well, that's great. <laughs> okay. Uh, it was kind of like a, Hey man, thanks for the great season, but we really don't care type thing. I guess I'll just go F myself, right? <laughs> exactly. No, legitimately. It was just wild to me. So it, it really was a um, grounding experience, you could say. And then I think baseball is a huge game of confidence, and my confidence couldn't have been any lower at that point. From that whole just like from the off season through spring, spring training and everything, just I was on a one-way street of just like not feeling good about myself baseball-wise. Did you have any like uh... – psychology support throughout that time like does the team in minor league baseball like have like a sports psychologist to like work with or oddly enough they brought this so then the season after that they brought in another this has been our third gm for in the five years i played with the padres so that part doesn't help either but um they actually started to bring in entire mental toughness and psychology training team and we would talk with them and i remember um so this was my fifth year in and they send me to extended spring training. And I was like, I mean, I was in double A last year. You're sending me to extended spring training right now because they brought in so many other guys. And I was just got thrown right down to the bottom of the totem pole again. And um, I made a quick stop in high A, a place I had a lot of success two years earlier. And I'm just hitting terrible. I'm like five for 30. It's just a joke. And I'm, I'm, I remember feeling like really depressed. Like I started talking to the guy a little bit. Didn't help physically, but they did have people for that at one point. Um, they tried to really start, you know, reinventing how they wanted to teach the game over there and stuff like that. It's a big thing now, especially in baseball. Uh, it's, even at the college level, we had uh, a company, I forget what they of it was, but it was there were mental coaches that came in and they worked with our guys. I mean, I think they came in twice a month last year, but um, it's re- as a player, it's what you want to make of it. I think a lot of our guys, especially at the college level, were like, like, who are these guys? This yeah. stuff, is, stuff is silly. But, I mean, to me, baseball is such – it's such a mental, mentally draining sport. And it's – if your mind – if your mental's not right, if your mind's not right, you have zero chance at, at, at success. Like, I always said at the high school level, I mean, you can be shit mental. But if you're a good baseball player, you're going to be athletically better than a lot of the kids you face. So, I mean, you could have the worst mental in the world. But if you're good, if you're a Division One player, you're still going to hit 400. doesn't matter how bad you are. Um, I mean, my experience ends at college. But when you get to college, I mean, everybody's the same. 
I mean, talent wise, every, every everyone's the same. It's, yeah. And the best players at that level are the were the kids that were the best mentally. Um, and I know I I struggled a lot in college. I just didn't didn't hit very well, but I could I could catch, so they kept putting me out there. Yeah. Regardless of how bad it got at the plate, and it got really bad. But I remember I went to play summer ball one year in Virginia. Um, and Go to the I, Valley League. Yeah, I went nice. to the, I went to the Valley. I went to Haymarket. So I go, so I went down there, and I was on a temp contract. So you go down there for two weeks basically because they have other guys like playing the regional. They're not on the team yet, and when they come, you're supposed to leave. So I get down there, and we have a pitching coach who was our manager from California, and he was like a typical Cali bro. Yeah, he was like <laughs> a typical Cali guy, and I just got I just finished my junior year, and I hit like two twenty, I think, uh, playing every game. So it's like even more frustrating when you're getting 200 at bats and you're hitting 220. Yeah. Because, and just getting pinch hit for in the eighth inning every time that there's a big spot that you yeah. think you can. So I go down there and the first practice I remember I got in the cage and I got out of the cage and I went up. I'm like, I'm trying to do this with my hands and this is my stride and this is my feet. And, and like the guy looked at me and he was like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what? And he was like, yeah, just stop talking. <laughs> I like it. And he, and, he, and, now, and and he didn't say anything else. And then after practice, he, he, came, he came up to me and he was like, I, I don't know who you are, but if you're here, you're obviously good enough to be here. So just stop thinking about stuff and just go. I ended up hitting like 385 that summer. That's awesome. Made the all-star team. It was like the best I played ever. But it was – no one ever told me that before. Yeah. And it was just like – it's some, some something clicked, and I, and I ended up having a pretty good senior year. But uh, it took me two years of being really terrible to finally realize, like, if your mental's not right and you're yeah. just searching for things constantly, it's in baseball. It's just, you just have no chance. It's all about that click. Everyone always talks about it when it just clicks. Yeah. Well, you, you said something about earlier – about how you like lost your, you had no confidence in yourself when they kept like pushing you down. Like and you could tell the organization like didn't see you going further. Yeah, and this is a little plug for my my own podcast. Nice. But <laughs> I did a an interview with uh, Dr. Nick Molinaro. He's actually a sports psychologist in Mendham. Yeah, and we did a whole episode about why confidence is irrelevant. Interesting, and it's more about your efficacy and like. You know you're a good baseball player. You've done this X Y Z. You made you played for College of Charleston. You played AAA ball. You did all these things. Like you know you can do it. So focus on like that, not the fact that like you're currently not feeling too good about yourself. Like think about the things that you achieved and accomplished, and you've done in the past. You've been in that situation before, and you've succeeded. So I'll link that one up in the show notes too for anyone <laughs> listening who might be in that situation. Just real quick. The- Real quick, the shitty part about minor league baseball, I mean, and obviously you went, you went through it. Um, I mean, like just hearing from your situation, that shit happens all the time. Oh, yeah. Just based on contracts of guys, ages of guys, like oh, regardless yeah. of production. Um, there's just the farm system of major league baseball teams are so vast that a lot of times if you're not viewed as one of their prospects, and you could hit 350. A lot of times it doesn't make a difference to the guys who are really ultimately making the decisions upstairs oh, yeah. in the front office. For sure. And, like, that's the most frustrating thing. I can't imagine being an all-star, hitting over 300 and, like, waiting for my turn. Yeah. Is it just like, what else do I need to do? Yeah. You know? Well, you think you do something one year and then you're like, okay, I've, I've implemented myself into the <clears throat> starting lineup every day because, you know, you're pretty much going with the same group of guys you got drafted with the whole way. And then all of a sudden – you know, a couple things might shift around and then you're finding yourself the odd guy out and never really getting back any with getting back any sort of uh, consistency. 
and then it just spirals out of control. That's just, I mean, I'm sure I'm honestly probably one in a million who that's happened to, but I mean, it just sounds crappy because it was me personally. (laughs) (laughs) So do you think there's anything like missing from your game that they like didn't like or oh for sure i could point out a million things that i stunk at 110 percent, my arm was absolute garbage i'm talking like just no accuracy just half the time throwing grenades to second base it i know was a little bit a complete about that. joke <laughs> <laughs> like it was it was bad it, it was the worst the whole the shoulder surgery thing after that i remember like coming back a little bit and then i don't know i i, I blame myself for not putting enough time and effort into it in the off seasons to get it where it needed to be. But I just, I think it all just boiled down to mentality and things. And, but no, I, yeah, there was a lot of things that I just wasn't doing good anymore. I'd always gone places with baseball cause I could hit. And then once that went out the window, I just probably looked like a Joe Schmo out there. It was bad. Did they ever try to change your position? I played a lot of first base one year just because actually I was drafted the same year as one of like a huge bonus baby for them. Got like a $3 million signing bonus. He's there. He's their starting catcher now in the big league. So I was with him. I only got to play the one year because he got hurt, and that's when I started to get my time. And when he came back, I got to move to first base. So that offseason, I remember being like, okay, I'm going to play first base next year. I should probably try and get, like, big and strong. So I put on, like, 15 pounds, not all muscle, trust me. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember, like – trying to feel out my swing and it just being like slow and lethargic i'm like all right i guess i'm really not cut out to be this weight right here but um i so i would say i worked a lot on first base that off season took away from anything i did behind the dish and it just uh, things just stopped clicking it was bad can you, can you talk a little bit about some of the injury struggles you had yeah um i had two major ones um the one the first one happened in college i had labrum surgery um, my arm, the preface it used to be like my chief asset behind the dish. I wasn't a very good catcher. I had to work on that sort of things, but I always had a really good arm. Um, that would get me out of some jams. And then all of a sudden the second weekend of college, I'm playing. I'm like, man, you know, a little something there just continually gets worse to the point where I can't reach second base. Um, end of the season comes along. I'm just been, t- been being told you know, bicep tendonitis, no big deal. And then um, get my few MRIs and arthrogram. I'm up, back actually up in the Cape playing, and I get a call from the school, and they're like, hey, you need to come back. You're hanging on by a thread here. You can't just, like, there's no stability. Your, your shoulder will do more damage if you don't do anything. Came back, did it, and um, it just took a while. Uh, and when it did come back, there really wasn't much to it. It felt like there was no pop. There was nothing. I'll use the term again, just purely throwing grenades down to second base. Like there was no snap or anything. I think half of it was mental and the other half was purely physical because it just, it was never truly the same again. Uh, I think I changed the way I threw a little bit and that started to create problems as well. But uh, that was a very extremely mentally draining. And the next one was just when I was um, up in AAA starting it was my first games I'd started back to back I'm like hey I'm making some headway here you know coach is starting to trust me a little bit took a foul ball off the knuckle and popped the bones up back here and that pretty much ended me for the whole season and I was released the next spring training yeah I mean with the the labrum injury do you think that you pushed through something that you probably shouldn't have pushed through like with the pain that you were experiencing 
I don't think I did more damage by playing that year. I hurt it pretty early in the season, and I tried to do a lot of rehabilitation to strengthen all the little muscles around it, um, a lot of band work and light weights and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and then you mix in, you know, like, you know, five of leaves before a game and something, just go out there and try and do it. Because, granted, I was hitting really well, so they wanted to keep me in. I don't think I did any more damage except for the fact that I did damage to my team by not being able to throw anybody out. But that was just kind of the give and take that my coach decided to take to go with the whole thing. That's probably like an interesting thing with baseball because you do have like the offensive and defensive kind of thing. Cause like I say that a lot on the podcast with guys who like play through injury. I'm like, if you think about it, that you're almost doing your team a disservice by playing because like sure. you can't play up to the level that you're capable of and you're hurting yourself at the same time. But with the baseball dynamic, it's like, well, yeah, you can't throw and you're struggling yeah. throwing, but like, but if you, you can still hit, hit. Yeah. yeah, you're good. You're you in. Hit. It was, I remember specifically one time um, I had just gotten a cortisone shot and um, three days later we're up in Western Carolina, up in the, up in the mountains, just nasty weather, like forties, fifties. We lose the Friday night game. I don't catch next game. Coach is like, all right, we're going to try you out catching. I'm like, you know, I'm like, we actually had a catch in the parking lot the day before me and my coach to see how my arm felt and, <laughs> and of the hotel we were staying at. And I was like, Oh yeah, you know, it's a little better. No, nah, no, it wasn't better at all. And so game one happens by the last inning of the first game. I wasn't even throwing the ball down to second base anymore in between innings. I, I had, think I lit up like six bags in the first game and we won though. Um, so I'm like, there's no way, like, I'm not going to get We're playing two nines. And I, he comes up to me after uh, after the game. He's like, "Can you catch game two? I'm like, "You know, I can't throw the ball down to second base, right?" He goes, "Yeah, I don't. I just I just want you to get back there and catch it and then hit." And I was like, uh, "Yeah, I could do that. I mean, but I mean, if someone gets on first, there's nothing keeping them from going to second. And he what, he was just okay with it. So that's what we did. That's when you know you can freaking swing it, though. <laughs> I mean, it was going well. It was that part was okay, but it was embarrassing. Just like." Can't do anything about it. Guy's getting on first base, and I'm throwing a two ten down there. It was, it was just ridiculous. Um, so how common is it for catchers to get, like, banged up? Because obviously you had the the hand injury too. And I kind of trying to lead into this discussion on concussions and catchers. So. Sure. Um, honestly, the hand thing was weird. You go, you're always getting banged up back there. Foul uh, balls. Foul balls, just uh, foul wild tips. Pitches. Wild pitches. Yeah, guys throwing fastballs in the dirt. You know, you wouldn't expect that. It's just, you know, something's always happening. A long swing, you know, hitting you in the back of the head or something like that. Um, I got a chip tooth from a play at the plate, actually. Um so things were always happening there, but I mean, then those freak things happen. You know, you got the Buster Posey rule now because they don't want guys getting taken out. Um, like the article you had sent me as well with you know the foul tips. Um, things are always happening back there. I, the hand thing, I knew the moment it happened, it was different than any other foul tip. Um, you know, I always thought that it was. I hated seeing those catchers who would take like a foul tip off the like a padded area and be down for five minutes. So we would always try and be like, you know, like take it, wear it, let it go. This thing, there was no, there was no like not like keeling over in pain. Like this thing is <laughs> killing me right here. But yeah, it's it's always happening. But you just kind of know that that's part of the position. And when then when shit goes really wrong, it goes really wrong. I guess you could say. All right. So you said you, you've have you experienced concussions yourself back behind the plate or maybe undiagnosed? I 
so I have a weird story. It, we were playing, and I doubt this was a concussion. They said it was a – they gave me concussion-like symptoms. I ended up going on the DL for two weeks. We were in Corpus Christi, Texas, and it was like 110 degrees out, humidity through the roof. By the fifth inning, I had, I had missed a couple fastballs, like not even like clanks, like I just missed them. I, uh, there was a couple of pop flies that were in the, the back area behind the catcher that the first baseman and third baseman had to catch because, like, I was just so oblivious to what was going on. I'm like, what is going on here? Like, I feel so out of it. There was no, you know, no drinking the night before. I wasn't hungover. It was just a hot day. And I had one of the guys who had, I mean, I had just gotten called up probably two weeks earlier. One of the guys come up and he goes, you all right, man? Like, you seem a little messed up. And I'm like, I don't know, dude. I'm just, like, I'm feeling out of it right now. But there was no play I can remember where I got hit in the head or whatever but I end up coming out they gave me concussion like symptoms I'm like you know okay this is odd because I don't remember getting hit or anything and then from there on we had like two weeks and I'd have to do those um the baseline testing impact impact testing exactly yeah to get back to the baseline excuse me and took me like two weeks to get back to where my neutral point like spots were and then wow, the rest of the season, I got off the deal. I went like, oh, for my first 30. Just that kills a batting average. And uh, But yeah, it, that's my only experience with concussions. And I don't know if it was concussion, heat exhaustion. But I mean, maybe there was a foul tip a game or two earlier that happened that I, nothing, you know, like from reading that article is like, you know, things can just happen. And then all of a sudden you're showing signs of it later on. But that's my that's my one experience. I mean, I played hockey my whole life, a true contact sport, I was and ask you I that, mean, yeah. never anything like. There's definitely been times I tried to hit a guy who was way bigger, stronger, and got my bell rung. But that was the only time in my life where I really truly felt like this is weird. I remember having a mound visit during that game, and just like not even being able to like feel the crowd around me it was just kind of like i was like zoned but not a good zoning like where you're like <laughs> locked where you're locked in is like this is like all i can see i can't like i have no peripherals right now right it was weird so with the new studies that are out maybe it was something but that's all i have with concussions to be honest with you did you wear one of like the old school masks or like the new school hockey looking masks i was an old school guy until just like two years ago maybe yeah. why why'd you make the switch they wanted me to switch in college, actually, and then I just kind of liked it. I got used to it. Um, I liked. I actually liked the look of it a lot better too. And um, but then I just got used to just doing the flip on and off. I then started to not like having the fact of like bunt plays. All of a sudden, I became comfortable just tossing it off. Whereas a bunt play with the mask on, you actually want to keep it on because you want to lug the entire you know hockey mask off of you or something like that. Um, so yeah, I, I just. There was I I again back in high school I was a hockey mask guy and then I switched and then I switched again but that was purely just because that was the gear that was given to me you know so I I did like the two piece more though I didn't know if there's like a swag factor because <laughs> oh 110 percent I thought the two piece looks way better okay yeah it I, looks more catcherish yeah yeah because I know like guys in the NFL like there's helmets that are proven to you know reduce the impacts but they don't wear them because like that's not the helmet that they wore their whole life growing up or like yeah. they don't think it looks cool. So Yeah, which is interesting because NFL, I mean, if you're like a lineman or a linebacker, like no one really knows what your face looks like anyway. You know, wouldn't you want to protect yourself a little bit, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're if you're a single guy, you know, the girls aren't going to know what you look like <laughs> when, you know, you're trying to tackle somebody. You got you got a face mask on anyway. Yeah. 
But I, I, I do you, understand with that. Did yeah. you see his helmet? It was so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I would never date him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the drunk girl up in the 300s <laughs> does not know what your, what your mask looks like from up there. That's funny. So you kind of alluded to this a little earlier saying like when you get a foul ball off your chest or something, like you just kind of like tough it out and like walk it off. I also see sometimes like when a catcher just freaking wears one and then they walk to the, the pitcher's mound and they kind of take a few seconds to gather themselves. But is there like a culture of like toughness and masculinity in the culture position alone? Like I know there's obviously one in sports. We talk about the one in football all the time. And I think that that's what led to the severity of my injury was I was just trying to be a freaking tough guy. So, yeah. you know, how prevalent is that as a catcher uh, at the highest levels of baseball? Honestly, you really don't see many guys trying to be, like, overly, like, hardo or anything like that. Um, everyone's pretty pretty even keel. Everyone is actually really just trying to stay as healthy as possible, trying to keep their bodies good to go. To be honest, a lot of the catchers that I would see, they really weren't in, like, great physical shape they were just their bodies anatomically worked that way you know these weren't guys who if you saw them at the beach were like that is a that is a big league catcher right there <laughs> no you'd think that is just some nine to five guy you know i'm being dead honest he just they wouldn't have that look that you would think of like oh he's a tough guy you know um now it, it i think what I, I what i tried to allude to with that is it was more just of like i had been with some guys both catchers that were older than me that could take a foul tip off the arm and just be like, here, give me the ball, Blue. Let's go. And then I'd see the same thing happen to another guy, and the game would stall for five minutes. And it was just more of a personal decision of, like, I don't want to be that guy. You know what I mean? But that, why? Uh, yeah, I guess that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just, you know, because you're kind of like, hey, man, come on, dude. It's already a long game. Yeah, <laughs> I got things to do after this. No, but it just honestly, um, I don't know, I thought it was a bad look. Okay. And b- baseball players, what I've noticed, are very, very critical people. Um, they just – when I first got into pro ball, any little thing that was like college you get called out on it right away. And you really got to walk on eggshells around a locker room because any little slip-up, you're getting told about it. Like what? Like rally caps, like monkeys in the dugout? Little like- things. You, your, your hair could be messed up that day. People are getting – I think that's one of those things you're alluding to, like – Long season, you're in the same locker room with these guys all year long. You got to start – people start getting on each other's nerves and or you're just picking little things out every day to just – so either you're serious about it or you're yeah. just a jokester about it, but something's getting picked up on. I think that's another translatable skill to the workforce too. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Who doesn't want to piss off their coworker? You, know? <laughs> you see them every day. Yeah. They admit they annoy you. Yep. Uh, yeah, you, you make fun of them. So in the off season for baseball – you know, while you guys are, we kind of talked about this earlier about how you guys are playing summer ball while most kids were, you know, doing internships and kind of like preparing for your careers. So did you guys have, like, did, did the teams that you played on, whether in college or in the pros, kind of help you with that career development along the way? Or is it just like baseball 100%? What do you mean? Like, so did, when you're in college, did they throw you into the summer league? Or... Well, yeah, like, were there any opportunities for career development, like, throughout the year? Because, like, most kids do their internships in the summer. Oh, you're talking about outside of baseball. Yeah, outside of baseball. Yeah, like, did your teams kind of help you prepare for, like, a life after baseball? Not really. It, they, you were there. They looked at that as your job, 100%. Getting 
get your get your schoolwork done so there's no issues of you being on the baseball field or getting yourself prepared to be on the baseball field. That's how I looked at it. Um, that that was your job. That was your internship, uh, as crazy as it is, because obviously that doesn't help for the you know thousands of guys that don't go past that certain point, you know, right. or don't have that plan B. But th- yeah, they they didn't care. I mean, that you were there to get in the best possible physical shape you could to play baseball. Right. Yeah, I mean, I I never worked a day in my life until I after I graduated college. Like you said, I mean, there were little odd jobs you could do during summer ball in college, but I mean, it wasn't like a it true work experience. That not a career development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like depending on where you were um, playing summer ball, like I said, they would have some. Like you could help out at a camp, or you could do something little if you needed money, really. But it wasn't a career development at, at that standpoint. Yeah. Do you, um, Do you guys think Do you guys think you have any advice for baseball players today to try to give them like would you advise them to try to get some experience or would you say like you need to go play baseball 100 percent balls out if you want to if your goal is to be a major league baseball player i i like to think of it having a, a backup plan is not the worst thing in the world um i would say though if your goal if that's all you desire is to be a major league baseball player um i would say work as hard as you can on it until you're told no or until you're not seeing it happen because uh, you're only going to get one shot at it. Um, if you can find some other thing to find a craft that you are good at that's outside of baseball that can help you in a career one day, I think that's very valuable. But um, I would definitely say if you have a true desire and passion that that's what you want to do, I would say go for it. I mean, it, you know, to me, if you're – you kind of kind of have to be realistic with oh, it. With it. If you're, yeah. I mean, if you're playing at a high level, if you're in a Division One or even Division Two or Division Three, playing baseball, they'll find you anywhere. But if you're someone who plays every game, no matter what level you are, you probably have a shot. And you shouldn't take a whole summer without playing. Mm-hmm. So if you're a, if you're someone who plays on whatever team you are in college consistently, on every if you're an everyday player, yeah, man, go play in college or go go play over the summer. The playing summer ball for me was the best experiences. Uh, some of the best experience I ever had just just with the people that I met the I mean you're with 20 people who are exactly the same as you from all over the country um they have the same goals the same they're baseball players just like you um so I mean if any of you had if you had the opportunity to go play summer ball over an internship uh from a life experience standpoint it's going to be a lot um a lot more beneficial to you I think um same time when I was at Fordham there was a lot different um athletic academic balance going on than where I was when I was at Monmouth. Not that Monmouth wasn't a good academic school, but um, a lot of times at, at Fordham, like they, they put precedence over doing an internship over, over the, over the summer. Cause they knew when they were, when they were graduating, they had a six figure salary waiting for them, whether it was wall street or wherever it was. So, I mean, and if there was a kid who maybe didn't, wasn't a starter for us, didn't play a whole lot, um, and we got him a spot to play somewhere in the summer, and he wanted to have an internship. Yeah, go, 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 do that. You know, that we, makes sense like, for sure. Yeah, we know your future is not, and you know your future is not. Um, so yeah, you, like I said, you kind of have to be realistic. But if you have the chance to go play summer ball somewhere, it was personally playing baseball is some of the best times I've ever had. All right, good advice. I meant to ask this before uh, when we were talking about uh, staying healthy. You guys said that you took care of your bodies, like baseball players took to care of their bodies pretty, pretty regularly. So what did you guys do? To, like, baseball seasons are long. So, like, what did you guys do to take care of yourself and try to – and you played for a long time too. So 
that career longevity, like what kind of stuff did you guys do? Um, during the season, I uh, I was never really big into any of like the po- like I started seeing people do the ice baths and stuff like that. I was not a fan until I uh, I realized how great they are for the next day. They're amazing. I think staying in the gym is the key to to everything. Um, as miserable as it is, you wake up, you know, after a week road trip and, you know, you haven't been in the gym in a little bit. I think getting in there and getting a sweat is honestly the most beneficial thing you could do. Just get everything moving again. Because with baseball, you're using all the same muscles all the time and they're getting worn down so much. Maybe if you go and start, you know, getting some other things working, just come might liven up the body a little bit. I think, you know, staying in the gym, um, the ice baths were huge. Uh, eating right, which people say is, I guess, beneficial. I didn't wasn't really good at it all the time, um, but I uh, there's there's a lot of things that guys do. Some guys get really big. Some guys are huge into foam roll and stretching and stuff like that. Um, I think it kind of have to see how your own body reacts to different things. Uh, Find what works for you out of out of those options. Yeah, absolutely. How have you prioritized your health since retiring from baseball? Because a lot of times, like. Once you're done playing, it's like the wheels fall off the, the wagon there. You're just like going off the deep end. So um, I would say uh, I, I'm, I'm still in the gym a lot. Got to stay ready for beach season, even when it's the winter, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I don't know. I like it. You know, it keeps you – I just like it. For me personally, I just like staying physically fit. So I'm still in the gym a lot. Um, I try not to eat too crappy maybe during the week. Um, try and eat better because I know there's going to be 2 a.m. pizza slices on the weekend, something like that, you know. <laughs> um, so that's I, – I try and try and be productive that way Monday through Friday because I know maybe Saturday and Sunday after a long week I might try and blow it out a little bit. But definitely physically I like to try – I do like to stay pretty pretty active. Yeah, a lot of the sports psychologists that I've talked to in the past have talked about when athletes stop playing sports to make sure that you're trying to do something that's still like – physically active you're sweating because like that's what made you feel alive before for sure so yeah you can see offensive linemen in football all the time they go from their playing weight or whatever it is high 200 already to, high to either like ballooning out of control to like four five hundred pounds or getting to like 170 like yeah jacked. yeah you see them go like, one way or the other yeah it's just because one there's i mean they're so used to eating so much that they either eat so much they continue to eat so much and don't do anything or they completely change everything and don't eat anything at all and get like actually healthy. Right? Yeah, kind of, kind of. I've noticed a lot. my hunger is way down. I don't need to eat nearly as much as I used to. Lost weight, it's crazy. But um, you know, you think you're still staying in the gym, you're gonna be hungry a lot. But comparatively to when you know you're outside sweating like seven hours a day, it's nothing. So that was that was huge for me and unfortunate because I love food. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> so as we wrap up the interview here, uh, I have one question that. I thought of like just now, and I should have asked it a while ago, but when you're throwing grenades down to second base <laughs> uh, after your shoulder surgery, how did you kind of like work yourself around that? Because I was in college, right? I was in college, So yeah. obviously you still performed at a high enough level that you got drafted and found success after uh, college as well and in the, in the pros. So how did you either like make up for – the deficit of your arm because you said that was like your thing for a while and you could always hit so like did you just start hitting really good and that's why you kept going up or like how did you kind of readjust I'm just thinking for a kid who's listening to this who you know had a labor room surgery is throwing grenades down the second base 
like what would he want to hear right now? Like what did you do to overcome that obstacle? I definitely tried to make every other part of my defensive game that much better. Um, in college, I didn't take it very seriously. Wasn't a very good receiver. Wasn't a very good blocker. Then the arm went, and I was like, oh, crap. But fortunately, hitting was going so well that it kind of overshadowed everything. Then when I got to the pros, I was like, oh, well, guess what? Everyone's a pretty good hitter. Everyone can you know, receive, block, and guess what? They can throw, and you stink at it. So that eventually got a little bit better, but I would say I you try and become as good you as you can be in every other facet to maybe mask something that you're just not as good at. Because you'll see guys who get to the big leagues that, you know what, just they're, they're there because they might have a relationship with a pitcher or they catch the ball so incredibly well that the entire pitching staff loves to throw to them. They don't care if they can't throw the ball down to second base. They don't care if they hit, you know, a buck 80 during the course of a season, but Every single pitcher feels so comfortable with them back there that they'll they'll keep you around. It's it's truly incredible, and um, it's something that I always took for granted. I was like, oh well, hitting man, let's go, let's let's swing the bat, or um, you know, and with how everything is geared so much nowadays into just like the sexy things, power, speed, you know, how many home runs can we hit? How hard can we throw a baseball? But there are still parts of the game that you know. People will stay around if they are good at a few different things. So maybe if you're not as great at one, find out what those other things are that can keep you going, and you're giving yourself a chance at least. I know I know a few guys who have made it to the big leagues because every single pitcher on a staff just loves them. Or a shortstop or an infielder who is in the big leagues now who because he is a vacuum cleaner and can play all three positions in the infield besides first because he's not that guy, but there are ways to have success. Even if you have a glaring hole in your game, it just needs to be that much better than everybody else. Cool. I think the analytics side, the analytics wave of baseball has helped out a lot too. Mm-hmm. Like you see it's, they're being able to come up with stats now about how many strikes the catchers can steal that aren't truly strikes, yeah. but they're getting called strikes from the umpire just because of how well they catch and how well they receive. Same thing with your shortstop. How many balls are you getting to that the, the guy on the other team isn't getting to? Yep. So I think that, I think that's helped a lot with the guys who have lacking in some area, especially yeah not hitting or arm area. Of course, you always want to be good at everything. Be the best you can at everything. But if there's that one thing that, like, maybe that is why – maybe that's why you even got drafted, you know? Don't then all say, like, oh, I'm good at this. Let me push this off to the side and try and get better at these other things. Get as good as you can at that and make it even so much better and still work on other things. That's why I think before what I was saying is, you know, if that's your desire and you don't want to have any career path in anything else, you really need to put the time and the effort into it. Um, I think I did that good for the most part, but looking back on it, you're like, oh, well, I probably could have done more, you know? Yeah, Obviously. Well, you could always say that. With yeah, that exactly. Thing, yeah. Monday morning quarterback, the whole thing. But, I mean, yeah, I think, uh, I think there are definitely ways to still have success even if you have a glaring hole in your game because, like, as Josh said, the analytics prove so much more of things you can do now that just weren't seen – from the eye test as you know before going back to it again baseball is all about making adjustments and that's what you were just talking about yeah um what's your definition of toughness as a catcher coming from a a pro catcher definition of toughness i i think honestly i mean we'll i'll use the the whole baseball and monotony side of this whole thing and you know baseball is very monotonous but over the course of a season 
it's a roller coaster. You know, you could be going well, you could not be going well. I think toughness is actually just keeping the same mental approach every single day. And I, you know who was incredibly impressive from an outside perspective this year was uh, Aaron Judge. You know, he started out just incredible this year. It was like unlike anything we'd ever seen going to the All-Star break. And then his July and August were abysmal. Like, people are like, send this guy down to AAA. But if you watch his interviews, the way he handled himself, that's that's tough. Being in New York, you know, dealing with the criticisms, your own criticisms when things are going so poorly for you. I think toughness is the, being able to have that even keel mentality and just going out and doing your business every day, even when things aren't going tough, being able to just face the criticism, face, you know, the the hardships and just keep on moving through. You know, I think that is extremely impressive. And just from an outsider perspective, I thought that as, you know, maybe people who, you know, can see that easier was, uh, I thought what he did was incredible that way. Yeah, I, th- I think that is a, the definition of toughness. That was an awesome answer. Yeah, I like that one. Kev likes that answer. Nice, That's a good one, yeah. <laughs> We'll keep it in there. I'm not going to edit it out. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, I, I never, I never uh, edit the, the toughness ones. Um, all right, where can people find you on social media if you want them to find you on social media? Okay. Um, yeah, why not? Who doesn't love a little uh, social media attention, right? Yeah, a little love. Yeah, some extra <laughs> likes. I'm on, I'm on Instagram. Um, I'm on Twitter, but I don't do anything on it. So I'm on Instagram. I'll post on that every now and then. What's your handle? It's R-P-K-R-A-L. I think it's 14. Okay. And then that's it. It's pretty self-explanatory. Nothing crazy there. I'll link it up in the show notes again. Give you some awesome. shout-outs. Oh, man, I'm excited. I think this was a, a great episode. And thank Rob, you for I appreciate me. you coming on. And Josh, thanks for joining us and putting your input in there as well. Thank you very much uh, for having me. I think this is a, a great example for a, a young baseball player who might be listening to this. Good. I'm glad. And, and I commend you on a, a very successful professional career. And you, you lived out a dream that most people don't, you know get the opportunity to to do. Thank you. I appreciate it. Anytime, dude.